The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in, OutKick Podcast listeners. Hope you guys are having fantastic Tuesdays. We have got a loaded show for you. Hour one, Charles Davis swings by. Hour two, Rachel Bonetta. And in hour three, Petros Papadakis will be with us. All of that. Lots of discussion. By the way, I'm out in LA and we'll be going to Lakers Clippers tonight. So we'll talk a lot about that tomorrow. But in the meantime, a lot of NFL talk, a lot of college football talk, loaded guests, your fun guaranteed. Appreciate you downloading the podcast and it begins now. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. We are always available in all areas. The Outkick, the coverage radio program, Fox Sports Radio. Glad to have you with us. Clay Travis is in Los Angeles. I am Jason Martin. Used to be the executive producer here, now the host of the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. Heard on Sunday mornings. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. But you can find Clay Travis awake early in Los Angeles from a hotel. He's going to be headed into work to do all sorts of crazy things later on this morning. He's going to be with us, of course, throughout this program. So, Clay, I really want to talk about this Monday night football game first because it was such a barn burner. I think we were watching one of the most iconic sporting events of all time. It was riveting from start to finish. This is the kind of moment that makes you absolutely love sports, love competition, and love the drive from both of these football teams. What an effort by the New York Jets. 
Man, I was so disappointed. I was excited to watch this game, and I was hoping to myself, hey, maybe there'll be something to discuss here other than the fact that the Patriots are still really good at football after 15 years of what seems like endless domination. And instead, I sat and I watched this game, and I thought to myself, the AFC is done, right? Like, whoever you're a fan of in the AFC, it can be the Ravens. It can be the Texans. It can be the Chiefs. You ain't beating the Patriots in New England, and it doesn't matter how good you actually are at football. It's like we basically have a line of demarcation here. The Patriots, assuming that Tom Brady stays healthy, and frankly, I don't even know that that matters with this defense, and we'll get to it in a moment. They're on one side of the Super Bowl, and on the other side, there's a lot of debate about who's good in the NFC, but it's not actually going to impact the AFC side of the equation at all. I wanted there to be a new storyline, and instead we've got the same one we've had for 15 years. The Patriots are the best. They are the standard, and no one can equal them. And maybe you can sit around and argue about Sam Darnold and whether this was legitimately, and I know we live in a hyperbolic society, but legitimately I think you can argue this might have been the worst Monday night football performance nearly of all time, if you actually look at it by the numbers. And I don't know about you, but I am so ready for there to be a new storyline, and the king ain't dead. The Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl in Miami. The question is, who is going to be trying to beat them? Yeah, look, and Tom Brady wasn't even that great last night. That's the thing that's so tough about it, is Brady's finally declining, but the Patriot defense is so good that I feel as if there are legitimately 15 or 20 quarterbacks that could be able to handle what the Patriots are providing on the defensive side of the ball. And I've got a stat for you here. Defense through seven games. Mm -hmm. If I told you right now, what are the most iconic defenses that you've ever heard of in the history of the NFL? You'd probably point to the 85 Bears, and you'd probably point to the 2007 Ravens. Let me give you some stats here. The 85 Bears, the Jim McMahon Super Bowl Shuffle Bears that for many of our listeners right now are an iconically dominant defense, gave up through seven games 315.5 yards per game. The 2000 Ravens, Ray Lewis, They won a Super Bowl title despite the fact that their team didn't score on offense a touchdown for a month. That's the Trent Dilfer Ravens. They gave up just shy of 260 yards a game. The 2019 Patriots are averaging less than 224 yards per game. They aren't just good. They are statistically dominating the 85 Bears and the 2,000 Ravens through seven games. It's off-the-charts level dominance. Yeah, it is. And Darnold, you talked about his night. I really like Sam Darnold, and it's really hard to say that today because he goes 11 for 32 for 86 yards, four touchdowns, and has a 3.7 pass Four touchdowns, rating. you just said. 
four, four interceptions. interceptions. I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was a little bit off on what yeah. I was saying. Yeah, like the argument against this Patriots stat that you just said, and there's a lot of them, first of all. Like there, there are some DVOA stats that have them in the top 10 football teams of all time across the board. There are things that they have done where they are one of the six best defenses statistically ever to play across the board. And then you look at who they've played. And that's always what people try to put out here. The problem is, that's a bad argument simply because they can only play who's on their schedule. Yeah, their schedule is cake. They played at Miami. They've played the Jets twice. They played Washington. They played the New York Giants without their top two wide receivers or Saquon Barkley. They played the Steelers in that week one debacle where we all of a sudden realize maybe Pittsburgh stinks. And then they've played Buffalo. And they barely beat Buffalo, who also has a really good defense. But... I don't look at it that way. I just look at it and say this is the best defense Bill Belichick has ever had, bar none. Stats air that out. And the fact of the matter is they don't need their offense anymore to win not just the AFC, but I think maybe the Super Bowl, quite frankly. like They're not going to see a great quarterback. Like You look at the quarterbacks they've seen this year, Clay. It hasn't been that great, and they're really not going to see a superb quarterback until December, honestly, because what's coming up for them next is Baker Mayfield and then Lamar Jackson, which, I mean, well, maybe that turns into something. Carson Wentz, the Eagle secondary, is a disaster. Uh, Dak Prescott, he's up and down. And then you get Deshaun Watson, who I really like, and then you probably get Patrick Mahomes, who'll be back in the lineup by that point. Those two might challenge this defense, but right now they're on a completely different level. They've made the AFC almost unwatchable unless you just want to watch exhibitions unless they're playing they they have i i agree with you you wanted a different storyline i was talking to my wife last night asking about this and she hates them too and i said i realize i love to hate them if they weren't here i don't know what i would be talking about i love to watch them get beat and i think that might be the ultimate sign of respect and excellence that i will tune in hoping to see them get upset do you know they haven't lost a game in january in foxborough since 2009 i mean they're the, the stats about the patriots are absolutely bonkers belichick brady doesn't matter who gets the credit they are so far and beyond every other franchise in the league that it's embarrassing all of those things are true, and the, the response that I would give to anybody who says, oh, the Patriots haven't played anybody is, hello, they're the Patriots. Yeah. Like, if you want to argue, hey, the Baltimore Ravens, they haven't really played anybody. If you want to argue the San Francisco 49ers, hey, they haven't really played anybody. I'm not necessarily going to buy in because it's the NFL and there's not much of a distinction between the best and the worst team in the NFL. So it's not as if we're talking about college football where you point to the overall talent level and there's this massive dichotomy. The problem with that argument of the Patriots haven't played anybody is have you been watching football for the last 20 years? The Patriots have dominated everybody no matter what level of skill they might bring to bear in the equation. So, yes, I understand the argument of the Patriots have played a weak schedule, but the Patriots are also the greatest dynasty that we have ever seen in the history of professional football. And so I'm willing to give them a pass when they have beaten everybody other than the Buffalo Bills by 16 points or more. I just I, I don't see any way, based on the history that we have experienced with this franchise, with Bill Belichick, 
with Tom Brady, with everything that they bring to bear in this equation, that anyone is going to show up in Foxborough in January and beat them this year. They're going, unless Brady gets hurt, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. And the question is, which NFC team is going to be playing against them? Because as is, I just have zero doubt about this franchise. Now, it's the year of the backup quarterback. So if Tom Brady gets hurt, maybe we could have that equation. But right now, Jason Martin, I don't see any point in having that conversation at all. Me either. And one other thing I was thinking about during your last response there was that the Patriots have been so good and so dominant for so long that they have turned a whole lot of somebodies into nobodies. And then you can say they haven't played anybody. That's because nobody's on their level. There are so few franchises that qualify as somebody when they're staring across the line at the New England Patriots. They've been so good, they've blanked out mediocrity, and they've turned you into either, okay, you're one of the three or four teams that maybe could beat them, or you're just on a refuse pile with absolutely no chance. Well, not only that, I mean, there was a lot of optimism, and I'll put myself in this camp about Sam Darnold. Comes back from Mono. If you're going to make the bullish case for the Jets, you could point to the 16 nothing lead against the Bills and argue, hey, Mosley's out. He's coming back. We're going to have a lot more success. We're not going to give up a 16-point lead. You just saw what happened with Sam Darnold against the Cowboys last week. Boom, we can get on a roll, and Sam Darnold has changed everything. This was one of, Jason Martin, the worst performances that we have ever seen from a quarterback in Monday Night Football history. Five turnovers, less than 100 yards passing, I understand that there have been a ton of, and hopefully for Jets fans will be, a ton of better moments for Sam Darnold. It ain't but on worse. this stage, at this point, when he's talking about seeing ghosts on the mic mm-hmm. on Monday Night Football, this is as bad as it gets. Yeah, I mean, it's atrocious. I was trying to look at some others. Josh Freeman had a really bad game in his debut for the Minnesota Vikings uh, a couple of years back. He had a negative 11.3 overall grade from from pro football focus. 20 of 53, though, for 190 and no touchdowns with one interception. And that was rated as maybe the worst performance ever. This might have been worse. I mean, just looking at it from from every metric. I mean, and look, he wasn't getting a ton of protection, but even when he had guys down the field, he was overthrowing them. Like, I hated this because I'm a Sam Darnold fan. And I still believe in Sam Darnold, but I watch this and I'm like, this is the kind of performance that if he's not mentally tough, he's going to have a hard time shaking this one off, especially in that market with those fans who never forget anything and expect you to suck just because you play for their franchise. Jets fans have to be on that list of futility, Clay. We've done this on the show before. Maybe that's something to put a pin in and do another time. Just looking at fan bases that are tortured in terms of just franchises, not cities. We've done cities, but franchises. And the Jets have to be on that list. But this was about as low as it gets. This was almost butt-fumble level. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. Because Sam Darnold has mostly – I know people had their fun with the mono issue and the fact that he was missing games. But he's mostly – we've talked about this – been the anti-Baker Mayfield. He hasn't given the media much to really kind of revel in. And I feel like this game, this performance, this point in time, this changes everything. 
and uh, certainly sitting as bad as the Jets have been coming into this game. Darnold, you could at least argue it's hard to judge him very much, but he was so bad in this game. And Bill Belichick confused him to such an extent, it's hard to believe that he's going to get passes going forward. Yeah, it's it's going to be very, very difficult. But what's not going to be difficult is is, is to pick New England to win a lot of football games. Their schedule is going to get tougher, but still. It's New England, and they're on a completely different level right now. Another guy that's on a completely different level is Charles Davis. He will join Clay Travis coming up next. You don't want to miss that. Stick with us. I'll kick the coverage. we got football wall-to-wall today. We'll be right back here on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life— 
We've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We bring in now Charles Davis at CFD22. Charles. What's shaking, my man? I want to start with this question. (laughs) Yes. I watched that Tennessee-Alabama game. I don't know if you watched the whole thing. I am still angry over some of the calls that were made in that game because I think Bama, and I don't know if you buy into this theory or not. I know you cover the NFL, but I think Bama is a 9-3 or a 10-2 team. Good team, not great team without Tua. I think he's been camouflaging a lot of issues for them, and I think, honestly... Tennessee could have beaten an Alabama on Saturday. Now, it would have been an upset. But once Tua yeah. went out of that game, I don't think Alabama's much better than a couple of touchdowns better than Tennessee. And Tennessee had a chance to get that game won. And I thought there were some questionable calls. Certainly, you don't want your quarterback going yeah. rogue on a quarterback sneak when you got a well-blocked what should have been walk-in touchdown. But did you kind of feel the same thing about that game that I did? Yeah, and, and it doesn't surprise me at all because – I think you and I talked about it a week or two ago, even in the NFL, that at a certain point, at a certain level, and there's nothing empirical about it, but teams that are expected to win tend to get calls. Yeah. <laughs> just no, there's just no getting around it. I mean, teams that are expected to I win. I think that's psychological with is, officials. Don't you? Like, I, they I just do. expect just, for the better team to win, and so they're more likely to see the, the inferior team mess yeah. up than they are the superior team? Especially if it's been built up over time. Now, the kicker to the whole thing is, at one point, as Vols, we were kind of in that category. You know, we were, we were a team that was expected to win year in and year out. That's a good football team. And I'm sure we got the benefit of the doubt on a lot of them. I hear Syracuse people now, the year we won the national championship. That's about pass interference, Charles. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so, so that, that is just kind of how it goes. Plus, you have to factor in that, you know, when you are a team that hasn't beaten someone like Alabama in a long time, that also kicks in as well because certain plays were there to be made that weren't quite made. And it's almost like, God, I could have made that play. But didn't really believe that I could make that play or should be making it versus a team like Bama. So when you factor it all in, the right team won. And I think you expressed it perfectly. It would have been an upset. The things would have had to happen. Yeah, there's some questionable calls. Yes, you go rogue on a quarterback play late in the game. But bottom line is Alabama without Tua can definitely be had, which is why that procedure happened very quickly for him, and they're hoping to have him back for LSU. They'll survive Arkansas. I don't see any question about that. I don't know that they have a chance. I shouldn't say have a chance. I don't know that they beat LSU without Tua 100%. I'm with you. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about this NFC East because I know you've called a bunch of NFC East games so far this year. Doug Peterson basically went hacksaw Jim Duggan on the uh, <laughs> on, on the Dallas Cowboys. Said did, he was getting his two by four. four with him? Yeah, did he have it said with he, him? 
I don't. If he brought it, he must have left it in the hotel room. <laughs> he left it in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, somewhere it didn't make it out on the field because he basically called out the entirety of the Dallas Cowboys. I couldn't believe he was doing it. Maybe yeah. he feels more confident because he's won a Super Bowl and he feels like he's a made man at this point. That he kind of gets the ability to shoot off more than your average coach would. But the Cowboys seem to take that to heart, whether they admitted it or not. And they came out and they put a full-on whipping on uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. You covered a couple of Eagle games. Is this team tough enough um, physically and mentally to bounce back from this? Or do you feel like that was the kind of game, you know, sometimes you win a game and it counts, even though only one game in the standings, it's like you have physically beaten somebody else and it kind of lingers with them. What kind of a result to you was the Cowboys taking down the Eagles like they did? I think for the Cowboys, it was a huge sigh of relief to start off 3-0, and lose their next three, and win a game that many people have said is almost like, let's keep with the wrestling theme. A lot of people felt like that was a lose-or-leave-down match. Yeah. You know, meaning whoever loses, I think Jimmy Johnson said it, you know, our colleague, Clay, I think he said on the pregame show, he doesn't believe the loser is going to make the playoffs. That seems a bit much at three and four and only one game out of the lead. But I think he was playing into what you were talking about. Psychologically, it's been up and down for both of them. So whoever loses, they're going to be out because I think what he's trying to say also is he only expects one team to come out the East in terms of the playoffs. I think that the Eagles are tougher than that, mentally as well as physically when they get everyone right. Because if you look at that game and you look at who didn't play and who did play, Remember the Cowboys had all those guys beat up? Almost all of them played. Tyron Smith, right? Um, I'm trying to think. uh, Amari Cooper. I go right on down the line. Guys that had been playing and been out of the lineup. Well, they got right and played against the Eagles. And the Eagles on the flip side, who didn't play for them? Sean Jackson doesn't play. Nigel Bradham, their middle linebacker, doesn't play. Avante Maddox, their do-everything corner slash safety, doesn't play. I really think injuries have a big part of that. It didn't help with Doug Peterson saying what he's saying. But you and I talked about that last week, and I'm still firmly convinced that Doug knew his team was under siege and they were beat up a little bit, and he didn't want all the pressure going on them, and he decided to take it on himself. And look, if Marcus Lawrence can, can, can chew out Doug Peterson, I think he feels like that's way better than the rest of us coming at him and saying, well, what about the rest of your team? What, what, what went wrong here? I think Doug wanted all the pressure on himself. We're talking to Charles Davis at CFD22. You can find him there. Charles, you ever seen a crazier end-of-game scenario? Not an individual play, but a series of plays as what went down in Chargers-Titans to have two different times a touchdown called, to have a pass interference in the end zone, to have all those reviews, uh, and ultimately to have it end with the Titans stripping the ball and recovering in the end zone. Nobody had any clue. My dad and my one of my sons were there. Uh, I mean, it was absolute chaos. You ever seen a game like that down the stretch? No, and I just want to say one other thing real quick on Philadelphia. Just go back to last season. And you remember what the Saints did to them midseason when they were all beat up, and we thought that was pretty much laid them to waste, and they battled their way back. So I think that physically and mentally they've got a chance. Now, moving on to your scenario, the only thing I can come up with, the 1972 Olympics, USA-Russia. Oh. That, how many times did that we game never get got those? We never went and picked up those medals, right? <laughs> no, you remember we thought we had won the game. And, and look, my mind is playing tricks on me because it's 1972. But if you ask the average American who remembers that, we'll probably say that the 
the Russian team got about eight shots at it. Don't wouldn't would. All right, yes. that's what we would remember. But it was multiple occasions where it was almost like the backyard, wasn't it? Okay, where you have that argument in your turkey bowl, and ultimately, how's it decided? Do over. Oh yeah, again. the do over is the greatest. The, the greatest backyard. The greatest I, I kind of wish ever. they would bring that to the NFL every now and then or something. People are like it's so close. You know what? We're just going to do the whole thing That's over just because do it over. The equity on the do over. Nobody really fights <laughs> on the do over, right? Like that's how no. every every undecided issue when you're a kid growing up, it's like okay, we're just going to play it over again. And you know what I remember about that? When you did the do over, you never heard later on, you know you beat us on a do over. Yeah, the right. The do over was the do over was acknowledged that this is how we settle it. And you just live with the result. And that was a big deal. And that 72 Olympic game felt like multiple do-overs. And then I think it was Valerie Brumel puts the ball in the basket. And we're like, what just happened here? And as you said, we've never picked up our silver medals because the rule is the entire team gets them or no one gets them. And there's no unanimity on that team. They're actually guys, Clay, that want the medals. Oh, that's funny. But the yeah. other but the, other, but the other guys have said, over my dead body, am I picking up something? I, I, I should have a gold, not a silver. So those things are sitting at, USO, uh, at, at the um, IOC headquarters in Switzerland in a, in a locked vault. So they're there for the taking. But no one has – they have not had the team where they've all voted and said, let's get them. And some guys actually have it in their will to never vote yes on it. So that just tells you how strong those feelings are. But that's how it felt to me the end of that Chargers game. That's as close as I've gotten to something that crazy. And how would you like to be Melvin Gordon today? The holdout, I I want to get my value increase, game's on the line, and it's you getting the ball stripped. Ooh. What did you think about Ryan Tannehill's performance? Uh, Did did he make throws Marcus Mariota wouldn't have? I mean, he was very decisive at quarterback. Or do you need to see more games from him? Because I kind of see Mariota and he as very similar quarterbacks, um, and yeah. not a lot of gap between the two of them. And I think that's kind of the, the 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 expectation that a lot of people had when they brought him in. Did you see him doing things that Mariota couldn't? I th- nothing that he couldn't do. Marcus Mariota can do everything that Ryan Tannehill can do, and I think on his, I think at his best, he's a better quarterback. But we haven't seen the best out of Marcus in a while now. And I don't know exactly what to trace it to. You, you've talked to people, Clay. I know. I've talked to people. The one thing that keeps coming up that I keep hearing from people, you remember when he had the broken leg, Marcus suffered it? Oh, yeah. A lot of people go back to that and say he hasn't been the same quarterback since. Now, whether that's just an easy thing or not, I don't know. You know, I do their preseason package, and I've seen different things from him. My thing has been when he was in college – and you remember, people may not remember this, the year he won the Heisman and they played the national championship game, Marcus and, and, and Oregon lost a game, I believe, to Utah. Or maybe, no, it was Arizona with Scooby Wright. And they blitzed and sacked him and the whole deal, and he never escaped the pocket because I think he was really big on, I'm going to show people I can play from the pocket. And I had them, I believe, the next week at UCLA. And my open was, in a sense, staying in the pocket is somewhat selfish because you're not giving your team the best advantage. Your legs are a big, big deal. Use them. And he went that day. And you know when he got jet propelled. You remember in college, he was something. Oh, yeah. I felt like he lost that ability or is not using that ability to just go. 
And I think that's been a big part of the problem. But I do think that Tannehill was decisive in what he did. Does he elevate their play? Well, in the short term, yes. But they are very similar quarterbacks. I don't know that over long term you're going to go, hey, Ryan Tannehill gave us X, Y, and Z more than Marcus Mariota. I do think if Marcus Mariota used his legs more, that would be to his better advantage and ultimately to the Titans' better advantage. You know what it's like, Clay, for, for a defense, third and nine, and the quarterback hot foots it out and picks up ten? That's demoralizing. I, I felt like we lost some of that as time went on with Marcus in the NFL with the Titans. Uh, as we look at the Aaron Rodgers performance, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, uh, I think even at the beginning of Hour 2. Who's your MVP? Uh, because right now there are a lot of guys out there that are performing at a high level. Russell Wilson didn't necessarily have the best game against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Aaron Rodgers, perfect right. passer, six touchdowns. Who would be your MVP right now through seven weeks of the NFL season? It is such a mismatch, as you've noted. Christian McCaffrey gets a lot of stroke with me, with what he's yeah. doing with, with, with Carolina. And I think it's being overlooked some because we do tend to lean towards quarterbacks. But I just don't think we should overlook what his value is to that offense, whether he's catching it, running it. You know, imagine if they decided to make him returner like they did in college, but he's too valuable for that. He has jet propelled them. Now, the defense has carried them in a big way, too which I think is muting some of it. I'm going to give you a dark horse guy right now, and it's a guy that went up there and beat Russell Wilson. That's Lamar Jackson. Because I don't think any of us – I shouldn't say any of us. I think very few of us saw Baltimore being in control of the division at this stage of the season. And what he's doing now that he's added the legs back in – because, you know, he's he's like all quarterbacks. I'm sick and tired of hearing about my legs are doing everything. I want to be known as a thrower. And you remember how snarky he was earlier in the year, and it's understandable. Oh, well, not bad for a running quarterback, right? Yeah. But guess what? The legs have been huge the last couple of weeks, in addition to throwing the football. And he's got them in first place, and I'm not sure many people saw it. They just went up to Seattle and beat, beat, beat the Seahawks, who I thought were going to win that game. <laughs> it's a big deal right now. They actually – it's like golf, Clay. You never supposed to think when your guy gets in trouble, like you're playing someone, and you go, "Oh, they're in trouble." No way, they make four. Well, what did he just make four? Guess what? Baltimore just made four. All right, because I think everyone thought they were going to get beat and keep the race tighter in the AFC North, and they actually gained a game on people in that one. That was a big, big deal. No doubt at all that was huge, and Lamar is one of the most fascinating players in the NFL right now, beyond a shadow of a doubt. He is Charles Davis. We'll talk some about Lamar and the MVB candidates at the top of Hour 2. Charles Davis, appreciate the time, my man. Who you got this weekend? I've got the Detroit Lions hosting the New York Giants, and to me this is one of the bigger games for the Lions and for Matt Patricia and crew because I don't feel like they're the same old Lions, but the last couple of weeks the record is reflecting that. And obviously they got some <laughs> some unwanted help from the officials at Green Bay, but they've got to find a way to turn this losing streak around and get back on the beam. Amen. We'll talk to you next week, my man. Appreciate it. Thank you. You take care, Clay. That's Charles Davis. I'm Clay Travis. When we come back, it's been the year of the backup quarterback in the NFL. Who's been the best backup? We'll discuss. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Appreciate all of you hanging out with me. Hope you guys are having fantastic Tuesdays, wherever you may be across this great country. I'm out in L.A. for the first several days this week. And as we continue to put a button and a bow, however you want to say it, on NFL Week 7, I've got some stats here that I think is probably the number one storyline that nobody foresaw. 
And here uh, is what I, I want to hit you with. News came out. Kyle Allen is going to start again for the Carolina Panthers, who started off their season 0-2 and have since won four games in a row with him. And this stat is going to, I think, blow you guys away as you consider so far this year, it has been the year of the backup quarterback, right? Uh, Backup quarterbacks have come in and they have done phenomenally well in what has been the year, I think it's fair to say, of injured starting quarterbacks so far. If I had told you that Teddy Bridgewater was going to start off 5-0 in relief of Drew Brees, that Kyle Allen was going to start off 4-0 in relief of Cam Newton, that Jacoby Brissett was going to start off 4-2 in relief of Andrew Luck, who decided to retire, that somebody named Gardner Minshew, who unless you were a Washington State fan or a big Pac-12 fan, or a big college football fan in overall, you probably wouldn't have even recognized the name. And if I was going to to tell you something even wilder, that a guy by the name of Devlin Hodges was going to come in for the Pittsburgh Steelers and be 1-0. If I had told you that all of those guys were going to have either even or winning records in the NFL, those five guys that I just named, Teddy Bridgewater, and Kyle Allen, who combined, by the way, are 9-0 and on the year. Jacoby Brissett, who I think is one of the great stories of this season so far, as he has the Indianapolis Colts in first place in the AFC South. Gardner Minshew, who really came in in the first quarter of the first game and has since led the Jags to three victories, three defeats, but on a team that's already traded a lot of talent away, including maybe the and the best player in franchise history in Jalen Ramsey. By the way, if I were ranking Jacksonville Jaguar all-time players, it's relatively easy to do because that's a relatively new franchise, and I've been watching them play ever since they started. The five greatest Jacksonville Jaguar players of all time, in my opinion. No particular order here. Tony Baselli, Mark Brunel, Fred Taylor, Maurice Jones-Drew, and Jalen Ramsey. I would argue with you, and obviously he didn't stay there long enough to officially become the greatest in franchise history, but I would argue with you that Jalen Ramsey, of those five guys I just named, may be the greatest individual Jaguar player there has ever been, and they just traded him to the Rams for two first-round picks. The reason why I use that as an example here is just I think we're underrating a little bit what Gardner Minshew has done to be able to get to 3-3 three and three in the scenario that I just gave you. And then we'll see what ends up happening with Devlin Hodges. And by the way, you could go ahead and also put Ryan Tannehill on this list because Tannehill came in and had one of the best games of his career as a starter and led the Titans to that crazy win over the Chargers, which a lot of people are still talking about because twice the Chargers were given touchdowns and it didn't actually end up happening in their favor. But this storyline is taken over the NFL and I think is such a positive storyline because we spend so much time in the NFL talking about whether or not quarterbacks are good enough to get it done. But there's no real doubt that Drew Brees is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And whether you love or hate Cam Newton, he's been good enough to, at his ceiling, win an MVP award and take his team to the Super Bowl. And Andrew Luck, good enough certainly to win a Super Bowl. 
and would have been, I believe, a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback if he had decided not to retire. Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl and been the greatest backup maybe in the history of backups. All of those guys knocked out or retiring early in the year. And the obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers lost a couple of quarterbacks in the process. Mason Rudolph going up alongside of Ben Roethlisberger. But Teddy Bridgewater and Kyle Allen stepping in to really difficult situations and going 9-0 and so far as starters is off the charts incredible. And now Kyle Allen getting the start again this week, which raises, I think, the really intriguing question on this list. Like Teddy Bridgewater, there's no doubt. He's handing the reins back to Drew Brees. Maybe he's done enough as the backup of the Saints for the Saints to think, hey, let's sign this guy for another couple of years. Drew Brees is 40. We don't know how many more years he's got. Teddy Bridgewater could be the guy in the future. I think you have to at least consider that. I know they got Taysom Hill, but I think you have to at least consider the idea that Teddy Bridgewater might be the guy for the future. Now, Teddy Bridgewater has also played so well, there might be other players, uh, other teams out there saying, hey, maybe this is the guy we could hand the reins to for our football team. Uh, Jacoby Brissett has got the job, and he's rolling with it right now. Gardner Minshew, I think they'll hand the reins back to Nick Foles, given what they're paying. But the Kyle Allen one is the unique one here in the year of the backup quarterback because you have to decide legitimately what to do with Kyle Allen, right? How do you respond to Kyle Allen given the fact that the NBA, the NBA, the NFL trade deadline is on October 29th? If you're the Carolina Panthers, don't you have to be canvassing the league quietly right now to find out if anybody's willing to trade for Cam Newton? Because I don't know that you can, assuming that Kyle Allen wins again, stays healthy, I don't know that you can give the reins back to Cam Newton when he had lost eight straight games as a starter and then Kyle Allen comes in and wins four straight. Can you really make that move and give Cam Newton back his job given that it appears Kyle Allen rescued a team that appeared like they were done, starting off 0-2 with back-to-back losses at home, including one of those losses being to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I think that's one of the most intriguing questions going forward in the NFL in what so far has been the year of the backup quarterback. Again, we spend so much time criticizing the quarterback position. I think we need to definitely send a little bit of praise in the direction of Teddy Bridgewater, 5-0. and Kyle Allen, 4-0. and Jacoby Brissett, 4-2. and Gardner Minshew, 3-3. and Devlin Hodges, 1-0 and as a starter. All of those guys winning at a high level when maybe no one else anticipated that they would. All right, we come back. Start of hour two. I got an intriguing question for you. You are having to decide every dollar to your name is being wagered on a football game. You don't have any choice. You have to do it. Maybe you could say your life is on the line. Which NFL quarterback do you want to pick to be leading the team that your life or all of your money is at stake on? I'll consider that within the context of what the NFL's most updated MVP numbers look like. All that still coming, hour two. We'll also talk with Rachel Bonetta. Petros Papadakis will swing by in hour three. If you haven't already, make sure you're downloading the OutKick podcast. You don't want to miss anything at all. I am Clay Travis. This is OutKick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Tuesday edition of the show. I am out in L.A. going to go watch the Lakers and the Clippers game tonight. And that will certainly be what I open up the show with talking about probably on Wednesday, barring any sort of chaos, but the uh, the tension and excitement beginning to build in Los Angeles, which is the center of the nation's basketball universe as that game gets closer and closer. But we're putting a bow on the most recent weekend in the NFL, and in particular, as part of uh, as part of that discussion, Week Seven officially uh, done. There are new updated odds on who the MVP may be for the NFL season. Some of these names I'm going to hit you with, and you're going to be like, yeah, I can kind of see this. Otherwise, maybe not. But I have right now in front of me the six top contenders as we near the halfway point, and probably next week after week eight, maybe we'll wait till after week nine because some teams have bye weeks. We'll come in and we'll actually do an around-the-horn style discussion of who should be the MVP, make our case for why the MVP should be who it is. But right now, I think it's really pretty intriguing to break down the overall landscape of the uh, of the NFL, and in particular, look at the top three on this board, which I 100% uh, disagree with, honestly. And let me explain why. Right now, I believe there are three quarterbacks in the NFL who are transcendent, and unbelievable playmakers at their position. And I think they are by far the best in the NFL. Now, you can argue with me about a week-to-week performance. You might even be able to argue with me about a month-to-month performance. But right now, there are three guys, and I'll go ahead and put a fourth in because he's probably the greatest that's ever played quarterback, that if you told me right now, Clay Travis, your life is on the line. You have to pick a quarterback to helm the team if they lose you die if they win you get to continue uh to live right this is the life or death stakes of the nfl who would you draft and why as the quarterback to win a game with your life on the line and if you're too nervous about putting your life on the line let's pretend it's every spare dollar that you have right now to your name And if you got no money to your name, it's going to put you a million dollars in debt if you lose and you'll never climb out of it for the rest of your life. Who would you pick? It is my contention that if you pick anyone uh, other than the four guys I'm about to name for you, you are an imbecile. All right? Here are those four, and then I'll tell you who I would pick. I believe there are three guys with arm talent right now in the NFL that nobody else can equal and an ability to read defenses and see the field and make plays that no one else can make. Those three, in no particular order, are Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. If you've watched them play this year, and I know Mahomes is down with an injury right now, but if you have watched them play this year, all three of those guys will make plays that are so amazing, you will go back and watch the replay and you won't even see the open guy that they are throwing to. That's how good they are. It's one thing when you go back in the replay and you see what's going on and you say, oh yeah, that guy came wide open. Oh yeah, that defensive back fell down. Oh, they got a pick play ran there. The design of the play was brilliant. I can see exactly what happened. 
those things happen when you go back and watch film or you'll see an interception thrown you'll be like what in the world happened there obviously there was miscommunication in terms of the way that the play was being run but there are three guys every single week that all three of these guys make at least one completion that if you go back and watch it in super slow-mo on instant replay you'll be like I can't believe that he saw that player and that he tried to make that throw and people were upset last week with Aaron Rodgers when uh, the calls were missed on hands to the face, and as a result, the Lions ended up losing that game. But what wasn't discussed enough was the dime that Aaron Rodgers dropped in to make that a one-score game, right? To basically tie the game up. I mean, it was an unbelievable throw from Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't just that they missed calls in favor of the Packers. It was also that they missed calls in favor of the Packers. And oh, by the way, then you've got Aaron Rodgers who can make throws that nobody else in the league can make, hardly. If you saw the Tyler Lockett touchdown catch thrown on Thursday night football in the game between the Rams and the Seahawks, you know what I'm talking about there too. Even in instant replay, it didn't appear there was any area for Russell Wilson to be throwing the ball for Tyler Lockett to be able to catch it. And Patrick Mahomes has had many viral moments of passes, whether it's the no-look throw, whether it's just the unbelievable arm talent that he has. These guys are the quintessential best passers in the NFL. And, And I don't even think that there is a close second to them. Like The next tier is a big drop off. But there's another guy who has been in the league for so long and has seen everything that you can throw at him and has won such incredible levels of success, and that's Tom Brady. All right. Those four quarterbacks are, to me, the four quarterbacks that you would have to have in your risk everything that I own draft to play a football game as quarterback for you and or your my not life is on the line and a quarterback's got to win a game. Who am I taking? Okay. Those four guys are the best at what they do right now in the NFL. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes. Okay, Regardless, assuming they're healthy, obviously, uh, caveats associated with that. All right, As you break down those four, to me, Tom Brady is great because of his mind at this point more than he's great because of his body. So as great as Tom Brady is... I would eliminate him in my every dollar or my life is on the line draft right now for the quarterback. So I'm eliminating Tom Brady based on his age. And then that leaves me with Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, also with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl through an interception late and another one should have been a win for the Seahawks. Sorry, Seahawks fans for bringing that up. Patrick Mahomes should have been in the Super Bowl if his defensive end could line up correctly against Tom Brady and that interception doesn't get taken away. And Aaron Rodgers won one Super Bowl. I think right now, the one game to win it all scenario, I am going to go with Aaron Rodgers. All right? And that's maybe a little bit influenced by the fact that he just posted six touchdowns over the weekend, that his Packers are now 6-1. and one. But it's also because ultimately I just believe he has – the best combination of veteran, I've seen everything, guile that you need in order to be a quarterback. And I believe that if you look at the receivers that he's throwing to right now, he doesn't have anybody that's remotely on a high level as a receiver, especially with all the injuries the Packers are dealing with right now. 
So I would go with Aaron Rodgers that I think is the best quarterback to win a game that I have to win with my life on the line. By the way, I'd want Bill Belichick as the coach or Nick Saban, one of the two of those guys. But that is how I would break it down in a general sense. All of that was prelude to talk about where we are right now with the NFL MVP race. Right now, Russell Wilson, even though he didn't play well against the Ravens this weekend, is the favorite to be your NFL MVP. Coming into that Ravens game, he had a passer rating that has never been equaled or exceeded. It's the highest it's ever been in the history of the NFL if he were to finish the season with that passer rating. Now, obviously, his passer rating came down because he didn't play very well against the Baltimore Raven defense, but it's still a pretty extraordinary accomplishment. He is the favorite right now. Aaron Rodgers is in second place, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to end up winning this award. I think that Aaron Rodgers felt a little bit of pressure with the new young guns rising, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and his seat as the best quarterback in the NFL was questioned. And by the way, it's not just me saying this. Tom Brady said a while back, Aaron Rodgers is the best that does this. He makes throws that I can't make. When you're the greatest quarterback of all time and you are talking about another quarterback and you say that he makes throws that you can't, that's a pretty big endorsement of how good Aaron Rodgers is. Then, look, this guy may one day be there, but he's not there yet, although I love him. Deshaun Watson is right now your number three overall favorite. Now, the Houston Texans are sitting at four and three. Deshaun Watson hasn't been great every week. I think he has the potential, if he stays healthy, to certainly one day be an MVP, but I don't really think he's in the mix to be the MVP this year, even though he's the third most favorite. Then this guy is just off the charts insane that he is even on this list. Lamar Jackson. All right, look, Lamar Jackson is the latest in a line of rushing quarterbacks. If they put the word rushing in front of you, you are not going to have a long career in the NFL, by and large. I want you to think about this for a minute. Lamar Jackson so far, and I love this guy. I bet on him a lot at Louisville. I loved what he did in Bobby Petrino's offense. I think he is a fun player to watch. But I've seen this movie before. I have seen Tim Tebow. I have seen Vince Young. I have seen, certainly, RG3. Do you know what people said about those guys who were not consistently able to drop back and pass? All they do is win. Tebow, RG3, and certainly Vince Young. Electric players at the college level. VY should have won the Heisman Trophy. Tim Tebow did the Heisman Trophy, and so did RG3. All of them came in and took the league by storm early in their career. And there were lots of people out there, I was one of them, in the media and in the fans and in the football industrial complex that fell in love with all three of them. Do you know what happened? Eventually, it came back to what it always comes back to in the NFL. The NFL is a third down and eight passing league. This is an important thing that I return to over and over and over again when it comes to analyzing quarterbacks. In the NFL, in order to become a stud, you have to be capable of dropping back when everybody knows you are going to pass on third and eight, making your reads and progressions, and being accurate enough to continue drives. 
I'm not talking about making spectacular plays. I'm not talking about being able to throw the ball 100 yards in the air or 60 yards from your knees or hit the goalpost from midfield because your arm is so big and strong. There have been a lot of dudes like that. Kyle Bowler, one of the best arms you've ever seen. Couldn't make it in the NFL. There's a lot of dudes with big arms that could not process information on third and eight when the defense drops back and tries to confuse you and you have to throw for a first down. Who can do it? That's why my four quarterbacks that I ran off on that list, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all of them can do it. Lamar Jackson can't do it. Now, if you've got a lead and it's third and two and he can roll out and he can have a run pass option, he's almost unstoppable. But you get that man down by two touchdowns and the Ravens fall apart. Moreover, you cannot consistently run the football as often as Lamar Jackson does in the NFL and stay healthy. Sooner or later, somebody is going to tee off on you and you are going to get wiped out. And so I've seen this film before. Tim Tebow, Vince Young, RG3, they come in, they take the league by storm, and then we see what happened to Lamar Jackson happen in the postseason. And I think we're going to see it after the bye week, what the Patriots do to him. A really good NFL defense with time to prepare for you embarrasses you. Lamar Jackson was embarrassed for three quarters of the game against the LA Chargers last year. Defensively, they threw him for a loop. They had no answers. Lamar Jackson, frankly, got embarrassed for much of the game against the Cleveland Browns earlier this year. Big win, all credit to the Ravens for getting the win on the road against the Seahawks. But this Ravens team is flawed, and I think the idea that Lamar Jackson is a MVP candidate, that he is the fourth best player in the NFL according to the odds markets right now, is one of the most insane things I have seen in the odds markets in a long time. Lamar Jackson, as a quarterback, is the most overvalued player right now in the NFL. As a playmaker, he's very good. But as a quarterback, a guy who drops back to pass on third and eight, he ain't there. Now, I'm not saying he's never going to be there because maybe he can make the step that Vince Young, that Tim Tebow, and that RG3 were unable to take, which is only run occasionally and selectively and become otherwise a pocket-passing quarterback. Russell Wilson's kind of mastered that. Doesn't have a great offensive line with the Seahawks. He covers up a lot of their flaws when he drops back to pass. He's mobile. There's nothing wrong with being a mobile quarterback, but you can't be a running quarterback in the NFL. It just doesn't work. And I think ultimately that that's going to be what happens to Lamar Jackson as well unless he develops into a pocket-passing quarterback who can sometimes run. If that happens, then I'll go back and I'll reassess and I'll say, you know what? I have to recalibrate everything that we thought here. The reality is Lamar Jackson is better than I anticipated, but I have significant doubts in the meantime. By the way, the other two guys on this list, Patrick Mahomes, 10-1, to 1, I told you he'd be one of my four, and Christian McCaffrey, uh, who is having the greatest year just about for a skill position player that has ever happened before in the history of the NFL. So those are your top six MVP candidates right now as we have completed NFL Week 7. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, 
and Christian McCaffrey, all 10-1 to 1 or lower. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back in Geico Outkick Studios. I hope all of you are having a fantastic start to your day. We certainly are having a good day here. It's about to get a little bit worse because Rachel Bonetta is going to slide in and hang what? out with you us. You just asked me to do your radio show and that's how you introduce me? Yes, but hold on a sec. we got a lot of details to take care of. Before we bring in the awful Rachel Bonetta, we first have to go to the wonderful Brian Hunley for an update. Brian, what you got for me, my man? Oh, I love that intro, Clay. Thank you so much. This just in, according to NFL Network, the Falcons trade wide receiver Mohamed new to the Patriots for a second round draft pick. Confident car buying experience. And what an experience the World Series will be for our OutKick listeners on Sports Talk 790 in Houston and Team 980 and 95.9 in D.C. Game 1 is tonight, 8.08 Eastern on Fox TV. Astros hosting the Nationals. Now back to Clay Travis in the Geico OutKick the Coverage Studios. Thanks, Brian. All right, Rachel Bonetta. First of all, I am back in L.A. Later tonight, I'm going to go watch Clippers-Lakers. What? Are you for real? No, I am for real. Going to the game. And I, I am going, well, I, I am going to the game. I didn't get the tickets. Oh, my. Somebody else got the tickets for me. Uh-huh. So, uh, what, like, in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. right, L.A. is now the center of the basketball universe. I suppose. Your boy Kawhi is now in L.A. Interestingly enough, he, much like you, fled Canada for the better country of the United States and then went all the way to the West Coast Mm -hmm. where it doesn't snow. Yeah. Where the weather is absolutely perfect. Pretty nice. So don't you feel like a total hypocrite that you were upset at Kawhi for doing the same thing that you did? Listen, people in Toronto and Canada didn't love me as much as they loved and appreciated I'm not talking about people in your countrymen and women. I'm talking about you yourself you basically no, paved the pathway for Kawhi. I am not a hypocrite. I did not pave any path. It is two completely different situations. Um, I'm still disappointed that he left. But to be honest, to be honest, I am super excited to watch him here in L.A. Because I feel like there is no... If you are living in Canada and you are mad at that man, you need to get a life. Because he gave us our championship. That's maybe not going to happen again for a really long time. Um, and so there is no hard feelings. In no way did I pave the way for him to come here. I think really. I think, that is rude and I, I think honestly, if I were going into the locker room to talk after this game and Kawhi were speaking, I would say to him, Kawhi, I can't believe that you followed Rachel Bonetta's lead <laughs> and just spurned all of Canada for the sun left. and Listen, the fun so of L. Many... At least he's from Southern California. You're there a native you Canadian. Okay, I have nothing to do with this. There's so how many long is factors. your green card good for? By the way, I don't have my green card. Is that? Are you so able to be on? T- <laughs> if you're listening to this, um, please give me one. Are you allowed to be on? Like, so I don't know how that process works. I'm in the midst of getting it. It takes is a it lot complicated? longer than people think. Oh my god, I had to get everybody and their mother. Do you to get write one? Like, do you get the green card for like exceptional talent? Yeah, I think so. I don't even. I mean, know. I don't know how the green card works. Well, like, you, you have get to have it- your visa. So I had to get a visa when I came over here. My first visa got declined twice. For what reason? For I don't even know. They just thought that I didn't. I wasn't because basically, when you get your first visa, you have to convince people that you are better for this role. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. The visa more than the green card. Yeah. Yes. So then, once you have your visa for like X amount of years, then you can apply for your green card. But you're still proving that you're still proving like she is better for this role than yeah. anybody in America, which sounds out. So like if you. You had like the Todd Furman start to gambling, yeah. Under your visa, they'd be like, "No, you're no, not you're clearly yeah, not you're allowed out. to be on television anymore." <laughs> so, uh, so you have to get that process taken care of. Now, speaking of the show, yeah, tomorrow on the show on yes. Wednesday, uh-huh. I have to do uh, fifty plus push-ups. There's no chance. I first of all, I'm taking the under. I'm putting money on it. I am 
a supreme athlete, and I understand that my athleticism is roundly ridiculed and condemned by everyone who is either knows me or is listening to this program right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm just telling you, I rolled out of bed this morning in L.A. and r- knocked out 61 okay, push-ups the, on the, the floor in, in my hotel room. Clay, while we were live, this whole thing started when we were in the middle of a show. So you couldn't really work out the details. What was said is now written in stone. And you said perfect. Well, I think push-up, the way the way this is, is going to be a, there is like the perfect push up like the the device. Yeah. But I think one of our uh, one of our uh, coworkers has come up with the idea. First of all, we're going to do it live on the air. Yeah. Which is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you screw up once, game over. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm going to do like 70, so I'm going to have plenty of barriers. <laughs> There's no chance but you do But I think this is a good idea. We are going to put a noodle underneath me. Okay. Right? Like, so you I mean, have to touch your chest. Have to, you have to see the, because you can see the noodle move. Uh-huh. Right? Like, so you and other people who feel the need to, like, be sticklers can literally put your heads on the ground of the Fox Studios and confirm when my prodigiously strong chest hits that noodle that it's happening every time. At what point do you think you're going to start getting stressed out? Like, is it 30? Is it 20? <laughs> is it, like, at what point are you going to start being like, oh, crap? Here's what I'm a little bit concerned about. The only thing, I know I can do the push-ups. Mm-hmm. Breath. Because, like, keeping your breathing, and when you do. And like, hyped up. Oh, yeah, my adrenaline. TV. I, I, this is no, that is not a joke, all right? I, I'm not a kind it of guy. A, I know I'm not the kind joke. of guy to to, to to name drop. But uh, I was at a charity event this weekend, mm-hmm. and Tim Tebow was there. Okay. And so Tebow and I were having a conversation about it, and I swear to God, he said the thing you have to, c- to consider here is the adrenaline impact. Mm. He said because you're going to come out all gung ho, all hyped up, and it's going to be like a boxer. Like, and I didn't really think about it before, but. You ever know, like the reason why the champ wants to come in the ring last yeah. in boxing mm-hmm. is because he wants his challenger to have to deal with all the adrenaline going through his body while he stands and waits in that yeah. ring, right? Yeah. And it's just like it's pouring off your. I mean, I, I can see how that could be an incredible the thing. One, the one thing that you have going for you is that you have to do a whole show before we do this, so your mind will somewhat be off of it, correct? And it will only be in that split second that you have to like come over and do the push-ups. Also, that I am like supremely excellent at mind control. I mean there are few people on the planet who have my ability what does that even to mean? it means it means that like I have I think the ability to compartmentalize and focus to the oh, like, like I don't notice anything else. Mind. Yes. I, I don't just, notice external noise. I just don't th- do you work out regularly? Be honest. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, do you think How this physique often? happens by accident? I think yes, maybe. <laughs> How often do you work out, actually? I go I, I go to CrossFit three times a week. You go to the, what? <laughs> I swear. What? I have never heard you talk yeah, about Yeah, I go to, I, for like five years, I go to CrossFit three days a week. I understand that people might see me shirtless and think, oh, that guy is... Does not do CrossFit. <laughs> or that guy is fat or that guy's out of shape. And we had a shirtless, uh, shirtless video of me because I have perpetually on yeah, we, cameras. We've all seen. Yes. What, what the well, deal is? But the here. thing is, first of all, I have a dad bod, but there's substantial muscle behind underneath my fat. Yeah. So, like offensive linemen, if you see them shirtless, you don't think like that guy's a physical specimen, but they're really strong. 
Well, I don't know. So if I'll pound for pound, pound out seventy push-ups. Right pound for on, some of them probably could. Maybe I'm going to knock out seventy push-ups. I mean, fifty. I have to hit fifty plus one. So have you been practicing? Oh yeah, I just How said I rolled have out you of been bed. Able to do it. I just did sixty-one this morning when I rolled out of bed. Come on, didn't you say seventy earlier? No, I said I can do seventy. I've been adding five a day. Check the tape. Since I've been adding five a day since Joel called me out. Uh, the first time that I dropped down, literally finished the show. Yeah. Right that day. And I was like, oh, God, I just put a lot of money on the line here. And I haven't done a lot of series of push-ups in a while. Well, either way, win or lose, it's going to charity. Charity. We're going to pick the right charity. And honestly, I think this is a cool component of it. Whatever we donate to charity, Mm -hmm. and I think there's $1,000 on the line, the number of people who will hear about the charity, and certainly even on this show, yeah. we will play it on Thursday, although I'll be flying back from L.A. to get uh, get back, but we'll play that. So, like It'll be well distributed for mm-hmm. the charity. Mm-hmm. They will get a lot more attention than the money that they're going to make. What happens if you don't achieve this feat? You are going to get torn apart. <laughs> Not that you don't already on social media. You're going to get torn apart. And we haven't made any ground. There's been no rules made that we can't distract you. Nothing like that. But see, I don't think as long as you don't physically touch me, I don't think there's anything that or throw things. I don't think there's anything you can do to get me psyched out. Like there's nothing that you maybe you could make me laugh. But I think I have the ability. I think I have. Yeah, because then I'd lose my breath. So we need to establish the ground rules that you guys are there. As It'll officials. just be me because Sal's in New That's York. That's right. City. Sal's in New York right now. That you have on your side. That's true, but there is a large number of people who are the- like Joel will be there. Yeah. Because that's why we're doing it on I Wednesday. I don't think you're doing it. I'm sorry, I, I, but I'm I I don't think you're going to make it to. I love that you have. Chefs. It's going to be great. I love that you have faith in Baker Mayfield and not faith in me. Uh, why By the way, did you do a movie this weekend? I did, yeah. I shot a little short film. How, how long was it? Oh, I don't know how long it's going to be. We haven't edited it yet, but it's going to be freaky. Like how many it's hours? Is this a scary thing? Oh, is it supposed like, to be out by when? Uh, on, uh, it'll come out like the day before Halloween, but it's it's fun. I, I wrote it and it's got a like big, how long is it? twist. It'll be like four minutes. So how long does it take to make a four minute? Like how many hours did you spend on we it this weekend? We started at two and we finished up at, at six. Oh, so it's not that four hours. Yeah, no, it's I mean, just that's a how, short. Like it's just. I know, but like we spent like fourteen sketch. hours on the Back to the Future skit that we well, did. Well, I mean, we didn't have like the budget that we had for the Back <laughs> to the Future sketch. It was shot in my house, but um, yeah. I think By the way, I meant to mention this too. Mm-hmm. What about Mark Schlereth just murdering you last murdered night on social me. media? Absolutely. And I have to say, I watched that video. He's good. He's funny. He is very funny. Yeah. Uh, and you were trying to catch a football diving onto your bed. I just wanted to record something. You know, we're always for for me. I'm like very active on social media, especially on Sundays, because that's like the day that we're all talking about football games. So I asked the person who I thought loved me. To throw me a catch, and I was gonna. Ca- Your boyfriend, my, I can tell you, he might boyfriend. not love you because he hasn't proposed yet. <laughs> my boyfriend, to throw me the ball, I was gonna catch it in slow mo and post something like "Happy Sunday, we're all balling out." <laughs> and he threw it like uh, towards the bed. I went up high, he went low. I have to say, in Schlereth's defense, you didn't really react. I don't know about your ball skills because I'm not a football you did. Player. Yeah, but if the ball is going one direction. And you're going in a different direction. The goal should be to react to the ball, no, right? I said, loved one, if you want to make me look good, just put the ball into my hands. He played, he was a quarterback in like high school. Was he really? Couldn't do it, yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. Is By the way, 
Do you become an American if you get married? You don't have to get a visa or a green card anymore, right? Yeah, that's like the easy way to do it. And um, he's an American, right? He's an American, yeah. So really, he's... No, I'm not doing that. I'm not I getting married for a green why card. you wouldn't also, just, you just lie. you just put it out onto the radio. The government officials could be listening well, to Well, you're live together already. It's not like you're just randomly picking a dude at the no, L.A. bus terminal. No, I on my own. Even if we were to get married, I'd still be like, I'm getting the green card on my own. But it doesn't make any sense then because you're already set and everything's good. Also, can I tell you, can I tell you a little bit of a spicy story. Yeah, for, of course. For your green card, you have to literally tell them every single thing that you've done in your life. If you've good ever or, got yeah. in trouble, yeah. if you've ever, like, literally good and bad. You and you have a rap sheet that's, like, a long okay, list. so I got, I did, made a boo-boo when I was, like, 17 years old, and I got caught, like everybody else in, the, in their life has done, I got caught shoplifting. What did you shoplift? I stole some perfume. From, like, a department store in Canada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of perfume was it? It was a Hollister perfume. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what no, I expected the I... answer. You couldn't have gone for Woods from Abercrombie and Fitch. At least that was the high end. You stole perfume I from have Hollister. Clothes. All of the. What like, does it cost? Like eighteen dollars? Thirty dollars. It was so broke. Oh my god! It was seventeen. You think I had thirty dollars? I don't. What, do you think that the Hollister perfume was going to change your life? I don't know, but anyway. So you just put it in your pocket? I I was with, and it's so dark in there. I was just like, oh my God, this can be easy peasy. I don't. You've never shoplifted anything? No, I never have. I don't. I'm telling you 100% the truth. Actually, I take it back. There we go. When I was 12, we stole stole a Playboy. There you go. So Back in the day, you're younger than I am. But tell like, the green card, the government. That you I think they would be like, yeah, so do we. <laughs> Every single person who's my age and is 12 has stolen a Playboy magazine or a pornographic. I don't even think they make pornographic magazines yeah. anymore. But back in the day, they did. I, so what happened to you? I they they to take fully... you out in cuffs? Oh, there were such jerks about it. I was so young and such a baby. I was crying immediately. They put me in handcuffs in the back of Hollister, and I had to sit and just like wait and they just like tried to scare the crap out of me and you know what it worked and I am a perfect gem of a human now but you had to put that on your green card I had I, to frankly tell them. I had to tell them literally everything frankly I don't know that we should let you in the country to be honest <laughs> all right well you can watch us on Lock It In Wednesday. I'm going to knock out 50-plus push-ups, and then I'm going to spike Not a Hollister happening. perfume bottle at Rachel Bonetta's feet, and it's going to explode. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in uh, Geico Outkick Studios. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I am out in L.A., I'm pretty fired up, pretty excited about the opportunity to go watch Clippers-Lakers tonight. Uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. Obviously, we'll be leading with that to start off the uh, for the Wednesday edition of the show. But to me, one of the interesting questions that's going to be brought to bear with this game coming up in the NBA season starting tonight is to what extent, if at all, will the NBA have a China hangover? And what I mean by that is we don't know exactly what the long-range ramifications of this China relationship is going to be. There continue to be shots fired back and forth, it seems like, between Adam Silver and China. China's now denying that they didn't say that they wanted Daryl Morey fired. And uh, this whole story, I think, is going to loom to a large extent over the NBA season. In particular, because every time Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr or LeBron James decides that they're bored with the basketball season and they decide they want to have an opinion on something that's going on in the universe of American politics, which, by the way, is going to be totally crazy during the NBA season this year. I mean, you think about it. You thought it was crazy, all this Trump stuff before. We're about to enter into the 2020 election. And so we're going to have the primary going on in Iowa, and then we're going to have New Hampshire going on, and then we're going to have all of that process playing out as the Democrats decide who's theoretically going to be running against Donald Trump. All of that is going to be taking place as we move throughout the the, the NBA season. 
And so of all the years when there is going to be politics hanging over the league, this might be the number one issue. And now because of the way this China thing has played out, I am intrigued to see whether this lingers in the way that the media covers the league. Because I think if they're being fair, they have to acknowledge that it should. Especially because, did you see this ridiculous story that came out? I couldn't believe it. Uh, and I'll be a part of the crowd, so I'm curious to see how this gets uh, how this gets influenced and enforced. But they have a new zero-tolerance policy for fans at games. And I haven't heard of anybody having this policy before. But this zero-tolerance policy is kind of crazy in terms of what they would actually consider to be unacceptable commentary. Right? I've always been of the opinion that you shouldn't say anything uh, that you wouldn't say in public at a basketball game or a football game or anything else. And you know what I mean by, like, from a heckling perspective? You shouldn't say anything to heckle a player that you wouldn't be comfortable saying in general in a normal interaction. Like, I don't buy into the idea that players are like like zoo animals behind a cage. You know how you always see the guy who's at the zoo and he like runs up and he like tries to draw attention to the lion or tries to draw attention to the bear and he does it because there's a cage there, right? Like there's a wall that protects him. And so I've always thought the idea of heckling players in general is kind of ludicrous. Um, I've never really done it because I've always thought it makes the heckler look worse than it makes the player look. But I think the idea of having zero tolerance towards quote-unquote abusive behavior is a challenge to implement because what is abusive behavior? Like There is an element here of there being a fan-based decision-making process right in play where you getting to be a part of the home court does, especially in basketball, impact the overall success or failure of the team that's playing there. So I think figuring out exactly what the line is is going to be intriguing to follow. And also I think you're setting up for a situation where there are lots of disputes from fans who say, we've already seen this, fans who say, no, no, I didn't say what I'm being accused of saying because the arenas are loud, there's lots of people yelling, it's hard to find figure out who the person might be who's saying things. But also, I was raised in an era and I'm going to get onto this in our threesome as well. I was raised in an era where we were taught sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you, right? And that the best way to deal with people saying things you don't like is to ignore them and be stronger. That advice seems like it's totally gone out the window. I teach my kids this still today, but I am blown away by how soft some of the things that I hear people getting upset about today really are. And so I find it hard to believe, maybe I'm wrong, but I find it hard to believe that players are getting worse things said to them now in all sports than were said in the 1970s and the 1980s and the 1990s and the 2000s. If anything, I would think that fans are better behaved now than they were back in the day, right? Am I crazy about this? Now, I'm 40 years old, so I've been going to sporting events my entire life. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe fans have become more abusive as the uh, as the years have gone by. But in most of American life, everything has become safer in my life, right? 
And so I find it hard to believe. I think this is more about the players being upset easier than it is about the fans becoming worse. It's a good topic. We need to take calls on this maybe later in the week or next week as the NBA season gets started and see what fans think about this policy and also what fans think about fan behavior in general. Is it better or worse? I don't know. We'll talk about it. When we come back, we're going to be joined by my guy Petros Papadakis. We'll talk with him about this uh, Lakers-Clippers game and also what he thinks about the fan behavior rule that the NBA is now implementing up next on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Petros. I am going to watch Clippers-Lakers tonight. I am in L.A., your town. What should I know? I've never been to Staples Center before. Well, it's going to be the Clippers floor, right? It's yes. the Clipper home game. And I think the Clippers are going to wear those sweet jerseys that were on the cover of Sports Illustrated, which are really sweet. It just says uh, Los Angeles in Old English as opposed to uh, L.A. or Clippers, and let's be honest, the Clippers uniforms and their logo absolutely sucks. I mean, sucks. <laughs> and I think Dan Wojcicki, the L.A. Times writer, made the point that every single Clipper alternate uniform is better than the uniform they wear every day. So uh, they will look a little different. There'll be a lot of Laker fans in the house because L.A. is a Laker and Dodger town, as I've often told you so many times. And the Clipper fans are a little bit more engaged and exuberant, and it does feel like more of a hometown atmosphere, at least throughout the arena when you're at a Clipper game. The Clipper fans are a little bit more excitable and traditional. At a Laker game, it's only like that in the upper bowl. Everybody else is just there with missile fake boobs trying to be seen. That I'll fit in well. What do you think, by the way, before we go back to that, (laughs) do you know that, uh, what do you think of my challenge that Joel Clad and I are betting on? Have you seen this? We're going to do it live on, uh, on Lock It In on Wednesday. I have bet Joel that I can do 51 push-ups. Which side of the bet would you take? Joel's side on the under, it's actually 50 plus, you know, 50 plus. So 51, I win. Under 50, under 50, he wins. 50's a push. Which side would you rather have in this bet? Well, do I get to ask any questions? Yeah, you can ask questions before, before but you know us both pretty well. I mean, you've seen me shirtless many times over the years. Yeah. Uh, what questions do you have? Uh, well, first, when I first saw this in passing, you know, somewhere between Manhattan, Kansas, and Topeka this weekend, <laughs> I I thought that it was Joel you thought could do fifty-one push-ups, and I was like, oh, Joel, Joel can do Joel can do that and a lot more. So I didn't know it was you. Oh yeah, doing the push-ups. So now I feel like I understand the bet a little bit better. But at the same time, I don't look at you and think that you can't do athletic things or or things that require, you know, a certain modicum of adult strength. So let me ask you, like, how often do you work out, Clay? And when you did do push-ups, if ever in your life, 
How many did you do? I, so I will tell you this. I go to CrossFit about three days a week, right? That's my that's my All workout right. yeah, now. You, you, okay. All right. You can do it. So, I'm with you. I bet play trap. I'm team play. I'm team. I'm team sewer cap nipple. I am team play Travis. <laughs> and so you know, I woke up in my hotel room in L.A. this morning, and I rolled out of bed, and I did 61. Now, Joel, I think his only hope is to be a push-up stickler, right? So I think what we're going to do is put, you know, like those pool noodles, uh, you know what I'm talking about? You know, like the, the floaties? Yeah. I think the, the decision is to put one of those underneath me, and I have to touch that on every rep in order for it to count. Does that make sense? Like, because, uh, because how low you go on a push-up obviously factors in as well. Right. I think that's part of it. I think uh, adrenaline. Joel is hoping that adrenaline gets the best of you and you exhaust yourself because you'll be on camera. Yeah. And let's be honest, everything we do everything we do on air is a little different than how we would do things in real life. I mean, I know you know me. Every other word is the F word in real life for me. Yes. So I do things a little bit different on the air. And you do have a certain uh, uh, level of anxiety when you're on the air. So I think that. But I, I think you're going to be in good shape. Joel might be, yeah, Joel will be a rule stickler. And I think it's a really good thing to look forward to worrying about because Joel is very judgmental about things like this. And I would say get Pereira or Blandino. <laughs> You know, I'm sure it'll cost. That's I'm, even better. I'm sure it'll cost. A, yeah, and I'm sure it'll cost the company, you know, a couple thousand dollars to get them. But you know, that way, Joel, because Joel can't cross those guys when he's on the air with those guys, so he's certainly not going to cross them in a push-up contest. That's actually a brilliant idea because I don't know if either one of them is actually going to be out here. Does Blandino live in L.A.? I, I think he might live in L.A., so we might be able to bring yeah, he him in. Lives here. Yeah, I know Pereira gets flown in from Northern California or something, right? Uh, All right, so we got that contest that's going on. Uh, Also, and I don't know how much you guys talked about it, but I know that AM570 LA Sports, where you host the afternoon show and where we're on right now early in Tuesday morning, is uh, is the, I believe, home of the LA Chargers. Did you guys talk, uh, or has there been much discussion about the Chargers in general with the way that game ended? Well, yeah, we talked about it because my radio partner, Matt Smith, is the voice of the Chargers. So yes. he called that game. He, like, you were there. So, like, but like you, he was there, witness to it all. And I could see why they overturned the calls. The really odd thing that you usually just don't see is for the officials to put their arms up, touchdown twice, basically game over, and to have them pull it back. But when you watch the replay, you could say, well, I can, I can see why they overturned it. And, you know, I, I, I don't know why everybody's freaking out so much other than that they signaled touchdown twice. I, I'm, I'm used to seeing goal line stands at the end of a game. I mean, that's a hard yard to get. There's a reason you have to get all 100 yards because it's a really hard yard, that last yard, unless you're – running in with your hand behind your head like Deion Sanders high-stepping. So 
the Chargers aren't that good right now. They're, they're certainly very beat up on the season, much like a lot of NFL and college football teams. They probably have a little bit more than their fair share of injuries. But at the same time, uh, you know, they they couldn't get a yard. That's that's how it is, right? I mean, I didn't I didn't see a big deal. Why, what, what did you want me to talk about with it? No, I just it's not necessarily the way that the rulings went down because I do think they probably got the rulings wrong. I mean, correct. I've just never seen a goal line situation that went on that long with that many different reviews, with that many different stoppages. I mean, just like I, I printed us off because I thought it was so crazy. And I'm looking at this note right now. I mean, on the final series uh, of the play there, they uh, first of all, you thought they scored, right? Like you thought they scored there. Right. And then they go to review it and they you say no. Austin. Yeah. Austin Eckler with the uh, with the catch and he dove in, but the, the middle of his back did, did hit the ground and it didn't look like the ball was over. But yeah, that took forever. And then you had a uh, false start penalty. A false start. And yeah, then you followed that up then with a, a, a PI. Yep. PI. And then, uh, and then uh, Melvin Gordon, they called another touchdown, but they said he was stopped. And that was uh, first down. So now it's second down. Melvin Gordon, right side, both hands on the ball, but it's away from his body. Fumble force, recovery, Jarrell Casey, Titans win, Titans win. Oh, my God. Alert the people at the Bluebird Cafe, the Tennessee Titans win. That has all been that's very good because I'm looking at it right now and you basically uh, you basically nailed it. Um, now the question that's left out there is how many more like what do the Chargers do? They're not going to make the playoffs this year, all right. So I, at two and five, I understand there may be some people listening to us like, oh, there's still nine games left. The Chargers could win them all. Yeah, okay, they're not going to make the playoffs sitting at two and five if you look at the rest of their schedule. In my opinion, what do you do about Philip Rivers? Like, and also what do you do about the future of the Chargers in L.A.? I feel like this next several months for the Chargers is kind of fascinating, um, it just in terms of what the franchise does on the next five to ten years. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers is not going to be around for that much longer as a quarterback. But what's the future of this franchise in LA in general, in your mind? Well, do you guys want Philip Rivers? I think the Titans would take any quarterback they could get at this point. They talked about Philip Rivers to the Titans before, but I think you know you got Marcus Mariota, you got. Uh, and you got Ryan Tannehill, and there's not really that much difference between those two dudes. So, but there's a there's obviously a market for a lot of quarterbacks, and I just I'm kind of curious in general what the Chargers end up I'm, electing to I'm do. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, hey, Marcus Mariota, not exactly super uh, persona grata McGee out there in Tennessee. Why don't you send him on down to the Chargers? And uh, the Chargers will give you Philip Rivers, and we'll just call it a day and, and just uh, act cool about it. That would be incredible. I don't think Charger fans would be that excited about giving up Philip Rivers, even at his age self, for a young Marcus Mariota, although I do still think Mariota's got a future. Let's go back, by the way, to this Lakers-Clippers game, which is happening later tonight in L.A. How big of a story do you think this all ongoing L.A. being the center of the basketball universe story will be? And what kind of reception do you think LeBron James will get in the wake of the China story and his comments? Will that filter in in any way with the actual season starting now? 
I'm not sure if it will filter in much or as much as people thought. I mean, really what I see, whenever you see a LeBron James tweet or Instagram post or a story about him on social media, which is not exactly the gauge of how everybody feels, but you see about 90 I love you LeBron and little crown emojis, and then under that, it says, you know, somebody says, like, when's the check going to clear from China? You know, uh, so yes. it's not exactly deafening. You know, it's not exactly deafening on social media because, hey, people want to worship their heroes. And just like LeBron fan his knee to the commies, yeah, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the NBA fans, you know, they're going to worship LeBron in his cathedral. And people are going to love watching him play supposedly feeling a lot better. We'll see when the grind of the season starts. Uh, the Lakers have a devastating two-man game that the Globe is going to be watching. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard is the reigning finals MVP and champion, and we've seen him be a champion and defy logic over and over again. You win a championship for Canada, hell, you might be able to do it for the L.A. Clippers. And Paul George is about 10 games away, and Kawhi Leonard is really compelling and that's interesting, you know, not just because it's the Clippers, just because it's Kawhi Leonard on a really good basketball team with a great front office and a beloved head coach at Doc Rivers. So I think, it, I mean, and it is rightfully so. You know, it's the NBA. Why do we, why do we want to communist China? Let's play basketball and at least talk about basketball. I mean, these guys are going to dress like idiots walking into the stadium like all the football players, but at a certain point they're going to take off their stupid clothes and, and put on a uh, uniform and we're going to watch the games and actually, you know, remember why we are sports uh, commentators. Is it uh, for the Lakers and I think to a lesser extent the Clippers, even though they got uh, Kawhi and Paul George will eventually be back when he comes back from his injury, is it for the Lakers championship or bust this year? I mean, if they don't win the championship, are Laker fans going to feel like the, the season is a waste? Or if the Lakers make the playoffs and make a run, is that a successful season? Well, we've talked about, I mean, it really depends on how the regular season goes, right? Like if one of those guys gets hurt or both of those guys get hurt. or But, it, but I mean, we haven't seen the Lakers win much in, in, in six-plus years now. Uh, the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in that long, and nobody's lost more games than them, along with the Knicks, uh, in the NBA. Uh, so they've been absolutely awful. And LeBron coming last year just added more drama to a situation and not really anything on the win column side. It just made them more of a national story, and their embarrassment was more revealed because LeBron was here. So uh, I'm not really sure, but I think people have championship hopes, and that is all the chatter here in town is, is championship hopes. And, you know, if they come out and look like a team that's going to win 70 games, yeah, hell yeah, they better win the championship. Outstanding stuff as always. Petros Papadakis, appreciate the time, my man. Yeah, thank you, Clay. Have a great week in L.A. and enjoy the game tonight. Try not to fall asleep on the floor. <laughs> Will do. That's Petros Papadakis at the Old B on Twitter. Follow him there. When we come back a little bit more on Lakers Clippers, we'll finish off the show. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
We have had an awesome show. Charles Davis swung, swung by, swung by. Uh, Rachel Bonetta in hour two. And as we just mentioned, uh, Petros Papadakis there. I am out in L.A. We spent a lot of time talking about the NFL, kind of putting a bow on week seven action in the NFL. Tomorrow, we'll start to look towards the future uh, in the NFL universe as we think about week eight and as the trade deadline nears in the NFL. But tonight... All eyes are going to be on Los Angeles, where I am broadcasting this week. I am out in L.A., and tonight I am going to be going to the Laker-Clipper game. Now, it's a Clipper home game, but it's officially beginning the NBA season. And we talked a little bit about this at the end of Hour 2, how the cloud has sort of followed the NBA in what should have been kind of a really uplifting and enjoyable uh, offseason Uh, especially crowned by that trip to Asia where the NBA was going to marinate and enjoy all the growth of its brand in Asia, instead turned into a major international incident after the Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey sent out that tweet. And then LeBron last week tried to finally issue a statement on it, and he just stumbled all over himself, and it was not a good look for the league at all. And so the question is going to be a good one. Now, first of all, just to have some fun, and I would love to see the reaction, I think it would be incredible if the Clippers played the uh, Chinese national anthem when they introduced LeBron James at uh, Staples Center tonight. They're not going to do it because Adam Silver would probably try to strangle Clippers owner Steve Ballmer to death if he did it, because of all the attention it would get. But I do wonder, as the NBA season begins, and as the protests in Hong Kong have accelerated over the past couple of weeks, whether the NBA is going to have to deal with their arenas becoming, at times, forums for people to make political comments in the crowd. Now, the NBA's created this mess for itself by being the quote-unquote woke sports league. But remember last week, Uh, In both Philadelphia and in Washington, D.C., the NBA had fans showing up in support of Hong Kong. And there's obviously a huge Asian population in L.A. I'm going to be at the arena tonight, but is there going to be any sort of disturbance that has nothing to do with the on-court product at all? I think that's certainly a storyline that is worth following, not just in this week, Uh, But in this year for the NBA, given how big of an international incident that story was surrounding LeBron James, surrounding the NBA in general, how are they going to handle that uncertainty is, I think, a massive issue for the league going forward. And will it start to, in any way, impinge upon the overall game itself? Let me give you an example. What do the Clippers do? If three or four people with a lot of money to spend show up wearing free Hong Kong shirts and sit courtside at Staples Center, are the Lakers and the Clippers going to eject those fans for wearing bright free Hong Kong shirts and sitting on the front row? You might say, well, why does that matter? I don't have any problem with it. But if China is already angry at the NBA and a player goes to dive into the crowd to try to save the basketball, and suddenly those free Hong Kong shirts become visible, 
Is China going to be furious at the NBA for not policing the speech of the NBA fans sitting courtside? I I just think this is a potential mess for the NBA and its partners going forward. And all of this was set in motion by the Daryl Morey tweet, but the NBA has fancied itself as a league that embraces politics, that's not just wanting its teams to just put on a game. I grew up in the age of NBA action, it's fantastic, where they try to appeal to everybody, and the idea that NBA players would have had an, uh, an opinion on George Bush Sr. or Ronald Reagan or... Uh, or Bill Clinton, or any of those elections is crazy to me. Like, do you remember Magic Johnson ever talking about the Ronald Reagan era (laughs) during Showtime with the Lakers? I don't. In the Magic Larry Bird years, do you remember those guys really having a strong opinion on uh, Reagan Mondale in 84? How about about Bush versus Quay, uh, Bush versus, who was the guy who lost to Bush? I can't even remember. 1988. George Bush beat Michael Dukakis. Had to go back in time there for a minute. Do you remember like there being a lot of big Dukakis guys in the NBA back in the day? Of course not. Like nobody felt the need to engage in political commentary in those years. And as a result, it was really great for the NBA. But you got to be careful. I worry about this stuff because I think about everything like I'm a judge, right? That's really kind of the way that I think. And a judge, there's a great line, which is, Tough cases make bad law. And what it means is something might make a lot of sense in individual justice for this individual case, but what you worry about as a judge is setting a precedent. And I think about this all the time when I do my radio show. I want for people, if you went back and you listened to this show three years ago, I think just about everything that I say would be consistent because I'm always trying to think What precedent am I setting by this argument that I'm making? Much like a judge issues a ruling, and that ruling has to work not just for the case he's ruling on right now, like I'm talking about games or I'm talking about players or coaches, I'm talking about the right now, the here and now. It has to work for that story, but it also has to be consistent logically with other arguments that I've made in the past. Lots of people don't think about this. This is why they become hypocritical, because they don't have the consistency in their thinking, and they can't logically remain affirmed to the same principles. And I think that's what Adam Silver has created now. So I'm I look, I'm excited to go watch this game tonight. I think that LA is the center of the basketball universe. When Paul George gets healthy, Kawhi and Paul George against Anthony Davis and LeBron James, incredibly sexy storyline for LA. I'm excited to see it tonight. But I'm also curious whether the NBA has allowed so much of the external noise into the conversation that it's potentially going to impact the overall effectiveness of their brand when they have something really good to sell, whether the external noise, be it China, be it politics, be it off-the-court related uh, issues, is going to detract from the actual on-court product, which I expect to be really good. I'm, I'm thrilled to be going to this game tonight. I can't wait to talk about it with you guys on Wednesday uh, when I start off OutKick. Guarantee you it'll be the top point of discussion for us uh, on the show, breaking down everything that we saw that took place in that game. But that will be in the future. That will be tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure you don't miss anything of the podcast. Go download it. Appreciate you spending your Tuesday morning with us. I am Clay Travis, and this, as it always is, is OutKick, the coverage on Fox Sports 
Radio. Thanks, guys. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.